G'day guys and welcome to Chewing the Fat with CB and JY. I am Chris Bryson. And I am James Young. Chris, how are you mate? I'm very well, thank you. Um, before we get into the reasons why I'm very well, I just want to quickly shout out to our sponsors. We're still waiting on some sponsors. Oh, do we still not we have any? We still don't have sponsors. Oh. So if you are interested in sponsoring us, please hit us up, slide into our DMs and... Uh, and we will give you the most epic of shout-outs on, uh, on our weekly podcast. But we do need to give a big shout-out to our listeners. We've had some great feedback on our most recent episode, which we were very, very thrilled about, our, our chat about training injuries. And, mate, we said we were global and trending last time. We've hit a sixth country officially. I had to Google the pronunciation for this one, but Mauritania. 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 We have a listener in Mauritania, which is the 11th largest sovereign state in Africa. So we're actually global and trending, JY. We're, uh, we're hitting new continents every week, so it's a uh, it's only a matter of time before we've taken over the world. And uh, We have a massive, very important episode today. We're going to be chatting all things mental health. But before we get into that, JY, there's a very important topic that we need to touch on. The football on Friday night, mate. Mm. My cats over your dogs. I um, mm. I actually turned it off a quarter time because the cats were six goals down. And I thought, you know what, we're bloody no chance. So congratulations. I assume you's uh, you's run out uh, pretty comfortable winners. You, do you want to summarise, mate? Or it, uh, that couldn't have been uh, too uh, long after I sent that message that just said "woof" uh, to you. So um, no, look, I I don't really remember much from the game to be honest. I think there was um, there was some goals kicked. Uh, 44 men ran after a yellow footy. And uh, at the end of the day, one team won. It wasn't memorable. Can't really remember who it was. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think um, I think we move on. I've, uh, I've got a confession to make. I actually didn't turn it off a quarter time. I saw our yeah, no come back. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> and I was proud of my boys and the cats got up. And for those who do follow us on Instagram, um, you do need to now... Take a selfie in a Geelong jumper for our yep. social media yep. followers, mate. So I uh, am absolutely looking to seeing your beautiful face and your, your bristling biceps and a massive frown on your face. Don that Geelong jumper and, uh, and show me, mate. Because uh, I, I think I think the listeners are probably uh, glad it's me in the jumper and not you. So just putting that one out there, Chris. But uh, it was a good game. I think um, I think you know we could talk footy forever. I don't want to at all today. <laughs> I'm really not going to go into uh, too much detail here, but. Um, we can also talk a bit of shot put because uh, Tom Hawkins was playing a bit of that on Friday night as well. So shot put, shot put. Please explain shot put. Well, the man office obviously was taking lessons in uh, in throwing uh, heavy circular objects, or well, maybe not even heavy football shaped objects. And uh, yeah, he's doing a very good job of it. So I actually have no idea what you're talking about, but Tom Hawkins is in career best form. If that's what you're referencing, no, he right did play well. To be honest, look, guys, this is the. Uh, this is what you guys didn't want to hear. I'm admitting defeat. I've had my meltdown. Friday night, I was in pieces. I was a broken man. Saturday, <laughs> woke up no better. I made a whole new big footy account just so I could start fights with strangers on the internet uh, on a football forum. And I'm, I'm good now. I'm sweet. My Mate. super coach is going well. That's all I care about now. Bulldogs, you're dead to me. <laughs> We've really got to figure out how to get these Zoom chats on YouTube because my smiles from ear to ear and the listeners can't appreciate that right now, mate. But yeah, I don't have any pants. Punch. I don't have any pants on, so <laughs> go cats. Um, all right, we might leave that one there, mate. I've, uh, I've tortured you enough because I wouldn't want the shooter going out of the foot. But 
we've got a huge chat today that's going to be a really important one, mate. And we're covering mental health, JY. And um, I want to start by saying that, look, neither of us are obviously experts in this field. And yep. most of our conversation yep. is going to be just that, a conversation, a discussion about, you know, our own anecdotes and sort of personal experiences yep. with uh, with mental health. Um, we're certainly not professionals and we do need to say if you do, if you are suffering and really, really struggling, then please seek the, um, the care of a, of a professional in this situation. Um, but I suppose mental health is, is a topic that's definitely been discussed a hell of a lot more, um, you know, in popular culture and the media and things like that in recent years. And I think it's fantastic. Um, it's probably no more important um, time than now with, with this coronavirus and lockdown and currently in stage four in Melbourne to be having these sort of conversations, mate. So let's start off, JY. How, how are you traveling through lockdown, mate? How are you going with it all? Um, yeah, look, I think it's very similar to a lot of other people, um, in the sense that we're all a bit anxious. I think, um, you know, the proverbial carpet has been, um, pulled from under our feet. A lot of us were traveling along, never seeing something like this happen or coming. Um, and suddenly we're left without, well, fortunately not us necessarily, but, um, a lot of people out there are left without jobs. Um, families are disrupted. Um, you know, kids aren't able to go to school and, you know, that's not even including the actual illness itself. Um, and it's just created an air of, I think, um, anxiety hanging over everything. And that's probably what I felt most over the last few months is just this real, um, this real sort of dark, like feeling all the time. And I think it's, it, it, it's a funny one because a lot of good things have been happening during lockdown. And I, I have set aside and spoken to a lot of people about trying to build positive habits and have been super successful in doing so, but it's always still felt like there's something, you know, something menacing. And I think, um, I think a lot of people are probably in a similar boat with that. And I don't know if you're, uh, the same with that, Chris. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what your positive habits are and we'll definitely come back to that, JY. Um, from my personal point of view, I think I've seen a lot of silver linings in it. I mean, I've been very, very lucky that um, my profession has still been allowed to continue and I can still get out of the house and go to work mm. every day, oh, which absolutely. a lot of people can't say. And that's, that's been so important for me, mate. And I'm honest, genuinely incredibly grateful for that. I think, um, yeah, from my point of view, I'm so used to being on the go all the time, being super busy, having full weekends with mm. sport and social commitments and birthdays and family dinners and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's in a, in a funny way forced me to really slow down and take a chill pill and, and relax. Mm. Um, and really enjoy a bit more downtime, which I'm just so not used to having. And that was tough for me to get my head around initially, but I think it's actually been really, really good for me and for my, my mental health in that respect. It's just to force me to have free weekends and enjoy sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing where I'm so used to being constantly on the go, which, you know, although they're all things that I enjoy, it can be quite stressful in itself. Um, but I suppose, yeah, for me personally, it's probably just been the last couple of weeks, which I've been a little bit flattened down about what we're going through, mate. I've got to the stage where, you know, I haven't minded that downtime, like I said, but just probably the last few weeks I am, you know, missing my mates a bit. I'm, I'm definitely missing playing sport on the weekend mm. and um, missing getting in the car and, you know, going on a holiday, even if it's just driving down the coast, let alone getting on a plane. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely missing those things in the last couple of weeks. But I said, on the whole, mate, I, I have been really, really lucky in this situation. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot to be thankful for throughout this time as well, obviously. Yeah. So. And it's such a funny um, sort of, like, comparison there. Like, feel a lot of people are sort of um, coping it with a mixture of those two sort of elements. Like it is, like you said, it is a great chance for us to all sort of um, wind down almost. Like we are being told to, you know, stay at home and not do anything. Like how crazy is it that we find it so difficult to not do anything? Like a lot of people out there 
<laughs> you're never going to have another opportunity to have this much free time. Mm. But it's still... And I this is just anecdotal and this is me personally. I am someone who kind of needs to be busy. Mm. I feel like my my sort of role um, or sort of my, my, my routine comes um, or, or is a lot... What's the word I'm looking for? I'm a lot more successful with my routine when I am busy and yeah. things just roll and, uh, and go consistently. But the moment it's sort of like that's taken away and I struggle with that. Whereas other people are the complete opposite. And that's not to say that I'm struggling, struggling, but it is, a, it's that sort of that overwhelming feeling of being like, Oh, you know, something's not, nothing feels quite right. Mm. And, um, it's interesting that you say, you know, that you notice the other side of the coin, mm. which a lot of our listeners probably would be the same, mm. which is great. And that's the thing. It does affect everyone in, in very different ways. Absolutely. Um, there's plenty of people that got a lot worse than us you know, at the moment. But I think the reason why, you know, we wanted to have this conversation today and we think it's such an important, important topic to cover is there is still this really big stigma around mental health and it's conversations a lot of people struggle to have and particularly around men's mental health. And obviously, I mean, we're, you know, two males in our, in our late 20s sitting here having this conversation, Jay Wine. I mean, we're not a male-only podcast by any stretch. We've got a lot of female listeners already. But um, I think it is really important um, for men males to have this chat because I think we do struggle a lot more than females um, to talk about this sort of stuff. Um, uh, anecdotally, I think a big reason for that is, you know, even as a kid, guys, are, boys are conditioned to think that, you know, crying or showing emotion or talking about their feelings is girly. You know, you're in the playground and someone falls over and grazes their knee from a young age, you know, a boy's talking, you know, don't be a girl, get up and get on with it and whatever else like that. And there's this big stigma you know, from very, very young, um, you know, even, you know, in, in primary school culture or junior sport culture that, you know, it's, it's girly to show your feelings or to cry or to mm. do anything like that. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week, um, Dylan Buckley's podcast, Dylan and Friends, with mm-hmm. a guy called Ben Crow, I think his name is, I might actually have that wrong. Um, but he's a, he's a mentor and a leadership consultant and he was talking about this sort of stuff and he said that a lot of our psychology and a lot of behavior is actually governed by what we fear most. And he said that research has shown that the thing that men fear more than anything um, is to appear weak. And I think that's, it's so true because there is this, you know, everyone, you know, feels a need to be macho and manly and things like that. And if you say that you're struggling or if you show a bit of emotion or if you're a little bit down, it does feel like you're weak. Whereas really we want to have these conversations because it's the opposite. You know, it takes a real man or, you know, a really strong, courageous person to be able to say, you know what, I'm actually struggling a bit. I'm a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit down. I've got this going on and talk about it. So yeah, that's, that stigma still exists. It's something we want to break. And obviously the reason why we want to have this conversation today. And the sometimes the I guess the most um, or the easiest way to um, to discuss it's just to discuss it, um, and a lot of that stigma has been you know the stigma around it for years has been to just hide it and not talk about it, hide your feelings, sweep it under the carpet, and I think we're progressing towards a um, a far more positive outcome where people are able to feel that they can discuss it. Mm. The fact that we're able to sit here, uh, like you said, it's two males in our late twenties. And I'm even able to sit there and say that, you know, I am feeling a bit anxious at the moment. Mm. We're able to, you know, bring this to our listeners. Um, You wouldn't have had that a few years ago. It wouldn't have been something that most men would feel comfortable talking about. Yep. I know just personally, like I'm lucky enough that I've got a really sort of tight knit group of mates and it's these conversations, something that we've made a big effort to have more over the last couple of years. And yeah, I'm sort absolutely. of really, really proud of, you know, yeah, my sort of close best mates that we, we are 
checking on each other more regularly and not just that we're actually you know not afraid to tell like you've just done mate which is awesome to say that I'm feeling a bit anxious or I'm a bit flat and, mm. and I have these conversations with my mates on a regular basis and like we've you know to be honest we're all you know, everyone that I associate with we're pretty lucky we mm. haven't experienced a lot of bad stuff and a lot of trauma in our lives but you know we are getting better at saying you know what I'm a bit flat this week or yeah. a bit anxious or a bit stressed at the moment or I've got this issue going on at work or at home or whatever the case may be and just talking about it um, because yeah as we said historically you know, men, males suck at that. Um, and so, yeah, I said, oh, I've seen a big shift in the last couple of years with my, you know, close group of mates, which I'm really, really proud of, um, just to be able to have those conversations and admit when, you know, things aren't all golden and rosy all the time. And that's awesome that your, uh, you know, your friends and your mates are able to sort of, um, you know, make that, like, I just call it checking up. Mm. So I think most other people do, but just checking up on each other, um, a part of their, um, a part of their friendship. Mm. for lack of a better word and I know my mates are the same um, even different groups of mates that I have everyone sort of still will send through messages to see how everyone's doing mm. you know send uh, individual messages just to you know it doesn't have to be a message that says hey you know how you doing with everything at the moment it's just what are you up to mm. you know what's happening a lot of the time you just sometimes just need someone to sort of you know put that I guess hand out mm. and you know give you the opportunity to discuss and I if think you need. that opportunity is really important and something that you know just during this week mate when I've been thinking about what we're going to chat about you know in this discussion today is the way that we greet everyone in society right every single time we see someone we say how are you you know we say hello how are you how are yeah. you going you know what's going on whatever but this, the common response to that is good thanks you not bad you alright you like yeah. we brush it off very very quickly because when we greet each other it's in a social situation it might be at a party it might be at work it might be down the street it might be with your colleagues whatever we have these really quick fire conversations and as I said we're all used to you know being on the go being in a rush and everyone says how are you and everyone says good thanks but how many people actually give the actual answer mm. or you know even vice versa and not in a bad way like it's not bad to say how are you but a lot of people say how are you or how are you going to someone and they don't actually want to know mm. all the time um, which like you said is very very different to actually mm. check in with a mate with mm. a friend with a family member whatever and genuinely wanting to know how they're going giving them that opportunity rather than saying oh hey how are you going and you know they say good thanks even though they might have had a really shitty week um, yeah, absolutely yeah. and I think that like that's such a great point and I couldn't agree more with that. So, um, I I see, and I'm keen to chat about, mate. Like obviously, as we said, we're not experts in this field, but I see the impact that mental health has on on my clients and their physical health mm. all the time um, during my everyday, you know, life and my, my professional life. Sorry, um, I'm curious to know, mate, how how you sort of see that mental health aspect affecting your clients, obviously in the gym, training, working towards their goals, and, and how you sort of manage that, mate. Um, yeah, it, it's for me. Personally, I think I um, I encourage my clients to you know use me as a springboard and to understand that they can talk to me about anything, and that's such an easy thing for me to say um, because you know it, it, it's literally just words, and it then you know it becomes almost the the battle of especially with new clients of building rapport with someone to be able to have them feel comfortable that they can talk to you. Um, and it's sometimes just my role as a coach is to provide the opportunity for people to talk to, to, to provide yourself as someone who they can talk to. Um, so I don't ever claim to be an expert and I don't ever do, um, I never give advice to my clients in regards to um, you know, how they're feeling or their emotions or you know, various other mental health aspects. But I like to talk to people to help them just discuss how they're feeling. 
So I think sometimes just the act of actually discussing how they're feeling can have a, um, a huge impact on, um, you know, on, on being aware of you know, what's actually going on. And I think we've said it uh, a couple of weeks ago in episode one, training and, you know, and let's, let's, for lack of a better word again, let's use the word dieting. Um, they can be impacted heavily by how we're feeling and what we're dealing with currently. And a lot of people are pushing, and I've had, a, you know, an athlete actually recently who was pushing through a, um, a comp prep um, for powerlifting and there was so much else going on. And they couldn't even identify that themselves. Mm. So they were trying to push to compete, absolutely, you know, annihilate their body with, you know, huge lifts and, you know, overload that's just stressing and, you know, pushing them to the edge. When at the same time, they haven't actually taken a second to sort of step back and be like, I'm struggling with external factors, things that were, you know, to do with, um, I won't, I'm obviously not going to you know, use names or anything, but things that were to do with you know, their work situation, how they were feeling in relationships. And those kind of just by you know, being able to discuss with me as a coach, kind of brought them out, came to the fore. That person was able to identify, actually, you know, I've got uh, a lot of other things going on and training right now is potentially not the most important thing. Mm. And... It's awesome because you can then look at that and go, okay, well then how can we, you know, accommodate with this? Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, your mental health is the priority. Mm. Like there's always going to be training. There's always going to be um, these, these, you know, competitions. There's always going to be sport. And your mental health has to come before these. Yeah. You need to put yourself in a positive, uh, in a position where these things aren't going to negatively impact that. And, um, and yeah, yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's awesome, probably the most important thing I see. Yeah. And like, like you said, I think often it can be really hard for an athlete or to a coach to identify those things. And you know, it's obviously the, you know, why I respect a lot of what you do in terms of your work, mate, because a lot of coaches will just be focused on the gym and their numbers and, you know, not really, you know, give two hoots about what their athlete or their client is doing outside of the gym. But like you said, if your mental health is not right, then, you know, how are you going to succeed in other areas of your life? It's going to be virtual. Oh, possible. absolutely. Um, and like I said as well, mate, with my clients, I, I see literally every single day in the clinic the impact that mental health has on, you know, my clients' physical pain and injuries. And if you listen to those who listen to our episode two on training with injuries, we delved into into the topic of pain science a lot. And if you haven't listened to it, I think we would have spread a really, lot of really good info on that. We're pretty proud of that episode, so please go back and give it a listen. But what we sort of touched on is that um, pain is a production of our central nervous system, and there's a lot of things that impact the sensitivity of our central nervous system, and mental health is one of the biggest ones. Depression and anxiety are two of the biggest risk factors for people developing chronic pain. Um, and I see it literally every day that people who are not necessarily suffering from depression or anxiety, but just life stress, um, what these things do is that they increase the sensitivity of our nervous system. They literally, it's like turning the volume up on pre-existing pain conditions, pain conditions or injuries, right? And people feel their aches and pains worse or have flare-ups or, you know, even... 
um, you know, develop new injuries at times when their life stress is really, really high. And I see it all the time. There's no surprise that, you know, this person who's had a flare up of their old back pain or, you know, they've developed a new episode of shoulder pain is at the same time that they've, you know, might've been moving house or they're putting in really long hours at their job or they've just gone through a breakup or they've lost someone close to them or, you know, whatever the case may be, stress has a massive, massive impact on the pain that people feel and on their physical health. And I can do my best job to educate people on the links between those two. Obviously, it's a bit out of my scope of practice to be advising them on them. And if they need to talk to a professional or psychologist or what it may have you, then I can refer them off to that. Um, but it's definitely a big part of my job to make people aware that, you know, your sore back or shoulder or knee or whatever the case may be is not necessarily only due to physical, biomechanical, structural issues. There can be all these other lifestyle factors that are going on that have a far, far, far bigger impact on people's physical health than they realize. No, and I think like that, that's spot on. I um I look at it in, you know, in my uh, I guess my um, work. If you've got someone who's trying to diet down, or someone who's trying to you know push for those who remember my RPE chat last week. <laughs> yes, we're not going to try and pronounce that again. <laughs> um, but if you're trying to diet, you're trying to push you know heavy loads up towards max intensities. You, you can just be having a bad day. You can do, you can just be having a bad day, and that can impact your efforts in you know one of those two areas immensely. And sometimes it's not even because anything has happened. Sometimes like this, mental health is such a tricky subject to talk about. Sometimes because there's no like it's so subjective, and like we can't understand what some people are going through. And there's just days where people feel average, and sometimes the best strategy is just to be aware of that and to be aware that hey it's cool to feel like you know it's cool to not feel great all the time <clears throat> and you're not always going to feel great that's okay <clears throat> and if you're in the gym and you're you know trying to cut 10 kilos or whatever you're doing it doesn't matter at the end of the day your health, mental health is the most important thing the the other objective goal will always be there that, that'll be there later on. And you're not, you don't want to put yourself in a position where those goals are like banging your head against a wall because, you know, your environment isn't conducive to achieving them. Yeah. I think um, something else I was keen to touch on, mate, is, is often I think perspective can play a really big role in turning around the way that we feel. Um, because, you know, especially in this situation with what we're going through at the moment with COVID and lockdown or whatever, we can say, you know, how bad is it with what we're traveling through at the moment? But there's always things you can look at to say, hey, it could be a hell of a lot worse. And, you know, yeah. I'm really happy oh, with what going, mate. I, I mean, I watched a movie last night, mate. I watched a movie called Rabbit Proof Fence. I'm yep. not sure if you've seen that movie before. Right, really. but, um, it's essentially about, you know, our pretty horrible part of this country's history where um, white Australian people who were in government positions were literally taking away Aboriginal children from their family. Mm. Um and it's just absolutely horrible. Like that's mind blowing for me, you know, in my, you know, pretty privileged, lucky life to even think of someone could rip your child away, mate. You can literally have a government official take your child out of your hands and take them to, you know, what was essentially a glorified concentration camp, mate, for, for lack of a better term there. And it's like, well, shit, at the moment I'm being told that I can't go on holidays and I can't go to the pub and I can't play footy and I can't see my mates. Mm. None of that stuff's happening, you know, and putting that sort of stuff into a bit of perspective on how much worse things could be mm. can be really helpful. Um, but I also say that sort of treading a fine line because I think it's really important to think that, you know, well, it can always be worse, but at the same time, that shouldn't mean that our problems aren't significant. So if you're going through a tough time and it's because you've got 
don't know, these first world problems that we complain about, mate, because, you know, you're just having a shitty day or there's a little bit of work stress or you've, you know, had a bit of a blur with your partner or your mates or whatever, right? And then, you know, you can say that, oh, you know, it's, yeah, but these bad, really bad things aren't happening. It doesn't make your problem any less significant. So I said, it's, it's almost a catch-22. So I'm, I suppose I'm contradicting myself there a little bit, but I suppose the point is perspective is great to, you know, put into perspective how we're, what is going on in our lives and sort of realize that we actually are pretty lucky even when we're having a pretty shit day. But at the same time, you know, just because someone else's problems might be bigger, it doesn't mean that yours aren't really significant and important. And it doesn't mean that you should be hiding them away and not talking about them or dealing with them. Because in the scheme of your life, you know, whatever's making you stressed or upset or anxious or whatever it might be, is always still going to be worth addressing no matter how big or no matter how small. And what you've done there is you've turned that act of, you know, taking perspective um, and turned it into like a tool. Like by sitting back and sort of thinking, you know, this is the situation now putting your perspective around it and like comparing it to, you know, like you've said, saying that could be worse. If that doesn't work, that's okay. Cause that's just a tool that you, you know, that you're trying to use to help. Um, and you know, if your situation to you is, doesn't feel great, it is bad. That's fine. Like that's your subjective situation. And that's why like when you say it is a catch 22, it's funny because you know, it is a little bit, but I feel like either side of that coin is okay. Mm. Neither is right or wrong. It's mm. both, you know, sometimes perspective works, <clears throat> sometimes it doesn't. It's like, is that meme that's been going around on Facebook? And it, no, it's not really a meme actually. It's not really funny. But there's, um, they're talking about a, um, you know, they're talking about this lockdown and then they're comparing it to, you know, 80 years ago where mm. people are getting shipped off to World War Two. Mm. And it's like, it's an interesting one because I'm always... A big fan of that because I always think, yeah, like, man, we're being told to sit at home and we're kicking up a fuss when that was happening eight years ago. Sitting at home with electricity and, exactly. and Netflix. The and other end and... of the, the other side of the equation, though, and this is like, look, I'm, you know, obviously went to a private school. I was quite lucky in my upbringing. You sit there nodding your head vigorously, Chris. Um, but I potentially would find it hard to compare my situation to that of 80 years ago. Mm. And that's why sometimes taking the perspective route can be tough because it's like, well, we're not in the 1940s. We're not being sent off to war. And I don't know what that feels like. Mm. So my situation right now feels, sorry, not me personally, but this current situation right now can feel pretty average. I don't have anything to compare it to because this is, to me, pretty average. It's like when you break up with your first girlfriend or you know the first girl that you ever call up on the phone in year nine. To tell her that you want to go on a date with her, says when no. You, when you give up a six goal lead, in the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I wanted to. I was see. I was appealing to the emotions of the business here, and you just punched me in the gut, sir. I throw one more time. Thanks, mate. I appreciate. It. I think there's a few more later looking at the run sheet, but um, yeah. And that's why I think like it is catch twenty two, but such a good point what you've said. And I think perspective is important, but it's also cool. You've got your own subjective opinion. That's fine. Only you can you know answer that question the last thing we want to chat on before we move on to our Q&A because we've got lots of good questions from our listeners um, from during the week is you mentioned earlier mate there's a few sort of strategies that you are doing at the moment to look after yourself Um, I'd love to hear them and and compare notes Um, yeah so probably so I read um, Hugh Van Kylenberg's book The Resilience Project um, early on in lockdown so it was a little while ago and actually funny that book weird it came out at such a good time I know it's been out for about, I think it's been out for a year or two. The books I find always take a little bit to sort of get out there into the mainstream. And it's 
come at such a good time because the strategies that Hugh and the Resilience Project team put together in there of um, GEM, so gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness, are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the one that I put as a non-negotiable and I try to encourage so many people to do is to just write down what you're grateful for for the day. And that could be literally anything. It could be there's a roof over your head. It could be that... Um, you know, you got food on the table. Like I don't like not obviously not just the obvious ones, but it can be anything. It can be that you know you got to spend time with your miso, or it could be anything. And I think that it's so good just constantly focusing on the things that we do have because it's always the things we don't that we seem to, or the things that are you know that we're struggling with that seem to be where most of our attention goes. Um, and just writing it down is a fantastic way to do it. Journaling is another as well. Um, I, um, I actually bought the journal, um, with the resistance project book, resilience, um, project. <laughs> resilience project, the resistance project's a good name. You just got resistance training on your brain. It's a good name for a gym. Um, but the resilience project's book and, um, the journal's fantastic. The questions in it are so basic, but it just forces you to almost write down whatever emotion you're feeling. I've, I, I, there's been countless times where I've spoken to clients about it. And they've said, yeah, I went to bed and I was really grumpy because of X, Y, Z. And then when I sat down and asked myself, what am I feeling right now? I ended up writing excited or happy because they were happy. They got to see someone the next day for a walk or they're excited because we're one day closer to the end of lockdown. Or like sometimes just like taking the time to actually write these things down, pen and paper, put it on there, can... You know, it, it can show you that there's a lot more good right there in front of you than you think. And um, that's that's probably my number one. Yeah. And Chris, what about yourself? Well, it's funny you say that, mate, because we've got a bit of a run sheet for this episode. But we actually haven't compared notes, but mine's is exactly the same, mate. I'm a massive, massive fan of the work of Hugh, Hugh, Van, Hugh Van Kallenberg and the Resilience Project, not the Resistance Project. <laughs> um, I went to one of his talks just over a year ago now. I used their diary for six months, and I do actively try to use those those sort of three principles of gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness in my everyday life. Um, you touched on the gratitude, so I won't you know, talk about it too much longer, but um, me and my partner, Ali, we've got a little whiteboard up in our house that it says, what three what were three good things that happened today? And before we go to bed every night, write on the whiteboard, at least three good things oh, that happened that. today. And the that. way that you explain that is, you know, gratitude, it seems a bit, you know, like, it seems a bit silly almost to say, oh, I'm grateful for my parents, I'm grateful for my house, I'm grateful for my mates. Like, if you're saying all those things all the time, well, it doesn't mean a lot, even though you actually are, but if you're looking for little good things throughout the day, the way Hugh says it is, it can literally rewire your brain to look and scan yes, life for the positive. And I, I heard him say that and I was like, really? Like, does it? And now I'm doing it, mate. And I, you know, it might be 10 a.m. and I, something good happens. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's how good is that? I can't mm. wait to put that on the whiteboard tonight. And I don't know about you, mate, but when I go to bed, I'm knackered, I'm tired, I'm a little bit grumpy. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want the day to be done and get a good night's sleep for the next day. And I almost always go to bed that little bit grumpy for that reason. But then you do that and you think about, oh my God, you know, oftentimes it's not three good things. I had six or eight or 10 yeah. good things. And I'm like, Geez, how good was it today? How lucky am I? And you go to bed in this really good, positive frame of mind, and it's it's such a simple thing, mate. That's been massive for me. Um, I love mind, that. I love mindfulness that. is another one, um, and mindfulness, you know, people think has to be, you know, you know, sitting there like a monk doing meditation for hours and hours. Mindfulness is literally the ability to be calm and present in the current moment, and that's something that I've struggled with without even knowing it for my whole life because I'm constantly, as I'm always used to being on the go, I'm constantly thinking about 
Who's my next client coming in? What's their name? What's their problem? Um, what am I doing this weekend? Where am I going to next? What's on my to-do list? Like always thinking about what's coming up next. Um, and to actually practice being calm and present in the current moment is, is massive. Um, and something that I've tried to do that is by doing just a 10-minute mindfulness meditation practice using an app, either Headspace or Smiling Mind. And I do that on my lunch break every single work day. Smiling Mind. Smiling Mind's a fantastic one. Yeah, I was yeah, using Headspace one. for probably a year and I've just switched over to Smiling Mind because I need a bit of a change and it's fantastic. Yeah, cool. And just that meditation practice, which as I said, mate, if you asked me to do that three years ago, I would have looked at you like you had three heads. There's no way I'd be interested in that. Um, but it's, it's 10 minutes now that I look forward to. And mm. it's not just that 10 minutes. It's getting that to transfer over to mm. everything else you do every day and being more present in the, in the current moment which I think a lot of us leaving these busy lives like you know you say that you do and I say that I do really struggle with um, and we'll touch on empathy very very quickly as well which is the resilience project's third sort of principle and that is simply like I mean having an open enough mind to look at someone else's perspective in a given matter and, and not being so frustrated or caught up in the situation because you can you know be empathetic to their situation but also just doing nice things for other people and mm-hmm. um, there is science to back the fact that if you do a nice gesture for someone else that it releases the chemical dopamine in your brain mm-hmm. which is literally that happiness hormone and it's like you can almost be doing unselfish acts can almost be selfish in a way because it actually makes you happier mm-hmm. um, and that's something that you know is, is so easy to do it doesn't have to be big grand gestures for other people mate but mm-hmm. if you can do tiny little things you know like go out and go to the way to ask someone how they are or buy them a cup of coffee or an ice chocolate if they don't drink coffee Um, or or try not to give them too much shit because your your football team beat theirs on the weekend or whatever it is um, those little small acts every day once again can go a long way to making you happier um, within yourself so I'm glad we're on the same page there mate really takes no effort as well to, uh, to actually you know bring someone else a little bit of happiness and i also just want to quickly touch last thing on mind on mindfulness as well i had a lot of people say they don't want to meditate they don't want to you know sit down and you know they just hate headspace they hate the apps and even had someone say they hated the headspace guy's voice (laughs) now i can't stop listening to it and hearing that um but i think mindfulness um i also refer to it as a flow state so i believe that the ability to just take note of the present whether that's going for a walk and looking at the trees no music no nothing whether it's playing guitar and really taking notice of what your fingers are doing not trying to learn anything just literally just trying to play guitar um can be anything it's why i love skills doing a puzzle like you're in the moment doing something and if you're not someone who likes to meditate just take up take up another hobby take up another skill um give something like that a crack because that's still being mindful of what you're doing right then in the present it doesn't always have to be meditation spot on mate um any resources that you love that you would uh you would recommend people check out look i'll just harp on that again hugh van kohlenberg and the resilience project he does talks you know obviously not in lockdown at the moment if he gets one of his talks they're absolutely fantastic man i couldn't recommend i really want to go to one their six month diary i use that for six months absolutely fantastic um he's his book like you mentioned and he's got a podcast called the imperfects which are really really good um they're the one-stop shop for me um yeah get on that yep cool and I'll just touch on it. There's a guy I love called Hugh Van Kylenberg of <laughs> the Resilience Project. Uh, he's awesome. Um, but then obviously there's other um, there's other things out there like Beyond Blue. Um, you are able to um, you know call these services and actually just chat to someone if you do um, not have anyone close to you that you feel like you can chat with. Um, there's um, there's also a resource called the Men's Helpline, which yep. is actually 24/7 free counselling for men. As we spoke about, men you know generally do struggle to talk about their feelings, and if you don't, you know, maybe have the, the time or the, the money to go and see a professional, or if you don't feel like you can open up to your mates or your family, you can literally get on the phone, which is bloody unreal to think that someone's funding this. You can get on the phone and talk to someone completely anonymously yep. about how you're feeling. So Men's Helpline is, is a great option. 
there, I think there's a, um, they were doing it when I got onto it, but um, due to COVID, they're um, giving out free mental health sessions um, where you can actually speak to someone. Um, and I have actually taken those up. So not because I really, you know, was sitting there needing to, just because why not? I think it's cool to have someone that you can talk to. And they're professionals. Um, they're really good. Really good. So can we'll see that. Q&A time. Excellent. Um, Let's go to wet my whistle. Wait, wet my mouth. Wait. <laughs> All right. So the first one um, is from an account called Catscan09. Catscan09. I, I can promise you it's not that. Um, but for you, JY, I think the best advice for someone who doesn't want to track calories um, uh, but does want to lose weight and for their overall health. All right. We'll keep this really brief, but uh, look at your, your nutritional habits. So I think uh, if you don't want to track calories, that's cool. Um, look at uh, your diet as um, as like a piece by piece thing, meal by meal. Are you eating fruit? Are you eating veggies? Um, use things like um, your hands to uh, to measure out your um, portion sizes. So for example, put two cupped hands together. That can be your protein. One cupped hand can be your carbs, and then a thumb sized piece of fat. Do that three times a day, and that can be a pretty good meal template that you can use. And if you know if your goal is to lose weight, gain weight, and you're doing one or the other, you can just edit those meal sizes, and it's really easy to add you know fruit and veggies into those uh, into those meals. So I don't want to go yeah too in depth in it because we actually do have a podcast coming up uh, very soon uh, where we are going to talk a little bit more about nutrition. But look at your habits. You know, are you drinking water? And then obviously the other things like are you getting enough sleep and stuff. Those habits are going to be what leads to weight loss. Tracking is just a tool to help you really know where you're at with your uh, nutrition. Perfect. All right. So we have a question here, Chris, from... Who would have thought? It's from Kano. So Kano has asked, whose biceps are bigger, CB or JY? And then in his uh, broken English, he said, measure who has bigger biceps, please. So we've got the tape measure here, Chris. Uh, Your arm, please. Uh, I don't actually have a tape measure here, JY, but I'm happy to concede that yours are bigger than mine, and we can move right on. Oh, mate, you don't want to show everyone your 31-inch biceps? Uh, no. Talk about them. Okay. Um, yeah. There's another question from Chris Kano as well, actually. So he said, warm up, warm down, or cool down, or both, what's more important and why? Um, from my point of view, warm-ups are very, very important for injury prevention. Um, they can be boring and tedious, but they're absolutely vital. Um, a warm-up is going to be completely dependent on what your exercise is, what your training is, what your injury history is, what your anatomy looks like. So we can't give a really specific thing, but absolutely take the time to warm up. And if you need more advice about your specific details, speak to a physio or a good coach or a health professional. Warm-downs and cool-downs is actually not a lot of evidence for. Um, you're better off focusing on, on focusing on your recovery strategies, um, which is sleep is the most important recovery strategy that you can have um, closely followed by um, nutrition and hydration followed by you know lots of other different recovery methods there that may work for you including compression um, you know ice baths hydrotherapy you know theraguns any sort of fancy device a foam roll or whatever they're all one percenters um, but focus on your sleep and your nutrition and your hydration um, as a recovery more so than probably yeah cooling down so you know five minutes on the treadmills you warm up yeah just straight on off ready to go no. <laughs> you want to give us a little bit more on that, mate? Um, next one <laughs> is from Luke Lentini. Big fan of the show, Lentils. Um, and this is probably for Lentils. you, JY. Walking or running, what's best for fat loss? Ooh, um, okay. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. 
neither is better for fat loss due to the fact that at the end of the day, it just depends on how many calories we're burning. But I'm also going to go in my opinion that I believe walking is better for fat loss. And there's going to be a lot of coaches out there who are probably going to crucify me for this. But um, running, do we've spoken about previously um, from the last Q&A with Mel Dianney's questions. Um, running does cause a lot of um, fatigue. Um, and it does um, also lead, um, through research, to people actually moving less for the rest of the day. And at the end of the day, walking is a very simple task that we can do. We can track our steps. It's very easy to see um, our trends in movement over time in that sense. Um, and I obviously uh, am a massive fan of getting people to do minimum around the 10,000 steps a day, which is what we would consider like the active average. Um, but if you're getting 10,000 steps a day, seven days a week, 70,000 steps, well, you're getting 2,000 steps a day and then a run every couple of days, you're probably going to find that the walking, the exercise you're doing with that walking is going to burn more calories over that week than less steps with a couple of runs. On top of that, the runs are also very fatiguing and make it a whole lot harder to uh, do any resistance training. So if you're not a runner, it does make it harder to train. So, sorry about that answer. Um, <laughs> walking, in my opinion, is better for fat loss. Controversial. Controversial. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm still a massive fan of running. It's not my, it's just my bias in when I coach people. Um, all right. So, Pendles has sent through one for you, Chris. When do you wet your toothbrush? Before or after applying toothpaste? Um, thanks, Jess Pendlebury. Big fan of the show. Jess Pendlebury um, is a huge fan legend. of the show too. I love your, your life questions that you often ask, Pendles. Um, personally, my answer is probably controversial. I actually don't wet my toothbrush. I go oh! Toothpaste in the mouth. You are kidding. Um, Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why? I don't think you need any more water than I, what my mouth naturally produces in terms of saliva. I reckon... You would be the only person who would do that. Not surprised. Let's move right along. We've got one more Q and A um, before we try to wrap up. This is from Lottie Mia one two nine one. Is JY single? Well, at this point in time, I'm just uh, I'm just developing myself emotionally, physically, spiritually, trying to become the best possible person that I can be. So you single? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, JY Single. Um, quote of the week. What do you got quote for us? Quote of the week for you here, Chris. So this week's quote is a bit of fragrance clings to the hand that gives flowers. And that is a Chinese proverb, um, which I think is actually pretty, you know, good timing considering we spoke about empathy before. Pretty much, you feel glad inside when you see a person is happy because of something that you've done. So uh, I'm not going to go too much in depth into the quote, um, but literally do nice things you're going to feel better for them and that is the that is the basis of empathy so love that mate we're going to get to the joke of the week to finish us off chris oh, i hesitantly say take it away look we did initially plan to alternate the joke between me and you every week, but, but you prefer you prefer so, to nah, leave nah. it to me. Um, so any complaints can send through the complaints department, um, and they probably won't get read. Um, so we're not <laughs> something the joke. <laughs> we're not something slightly humorous. I hope. Um, Jy, why do scuba divers fall off the back of the boat when they get into the water? Why, why do they roll backwards off the boat? Why do scuba divers roll off the back of the boat, Chris? Because if they rolled forwards, they'd still be in the boat. Grim. Real grim.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you have not done so already. Next week, we are focusing on nutrition and we are pumped for this chat. So please follow us on Instagram at chewingthefat underscore podcast where you can leave us your questions to be answered on the show. Have a great day, guys.